Hello, one and all, Sebastian Richard here, and I'm with my beautiful wife, Elizabeth, and we are continuing today our amazing series titled, Lord, Save My Marriage. And today we're gonna to be talking to the men, to the husbands, but wives, that does not mean you should go. Instead, it's the contrary, it's the opposite. You're gonna really love this broadcast, and I know you women out there are gonna to wanna to share this. Uh, if you know, uh, maybe you're going to want to show it to your husband. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> or you're going to want to share this. You're going to want to click the like. You're going to want to subscribe to this channel because this series is a groundbreaking series. It's absolutely fantastic what it's going to do for your marriage if your marriage is having marital problems because we're going to uh, bring the Bible and bring the, the biblical principles of marriage back to the forefront. So before we begin, Liz, you have an announcement to make. Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, this series is also good for those of you that have uh, been married for a couple of years and you'd like to improve your marriage. You'd like to become closer and you'd like to have a, um, you know, a, a stronger marriage. Um, there's a lot of things that you're going to learn from this uh, from this series. So it's not only for those that are just, you know, starting their life together or, or have been married for like five years. It's also full of uh, nuggets and wisdom um, that we've learned in the last 20 years. And um, we've had quite a journey. So we have a lot we to have, teach yeah. about. Um, so yeah, so right now we have a fall flash sale. Um, if you go to thrivingonpurpose.com, you'll see the, the promo code. You can uh, have any of our MP3 downloads of our Bible teachings, of our e-courses, 40% off. So it's a really a uh, big discount. Um, Sebastian teaches, he specializes in how to write a Christian nonfiction book. And so that course is 40% off. So if you're looking to start a new project yeah. in the fall to get that book written that the Lord's put on your heart for a long time, uh, now's your chance to get a really great rebate and start something new in the fall for the Lord. Absolutely. And yeah, these courses are absolutely groundbreaking. Absolutely. They bring so much value to the, uh, the listeners and those who enroll. Yeah. So uh, go it, check that out. There might be something just for you out there. Uh, we, we have courses uh, that teach on how to find your purpose, yes. how to be a kingdom leader, uh, how to write a book, Elizabeth mentioned, and there's a lot of good stuff on there. So you wanna, you'll wanna check that out for sure at thrivingonpurpose.com. Yeah, and we've talked a lot about finding your purpose and that is a, an essential key uh, to a really good marriage is knowing um, each one of us knowing what what purpose, what God is calling us to do as an in individual and as a couple uh, together in marriage. So it's really amazing course. It's really yeah. going to help you uh, to get clarity in that area. So I really recommend that you check that course out. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Uh, I, I learned a lot of stuff teaching it. So I, I know <laughs> the students are going to learn stuff as well. And we've been trained by the John Maxwell team. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've learned a lot about purpose through John Maxwell, a lot about leadership. leadership. We have a course on kingdom leadership, and that's a lot of biblical principles and uh, fundamentals of leadership uh, with a kingdom mindset. So that's completely a different flavor than what's taught out there in churches. Exactly. And speaking of leadership, Liz. We're not. We're gonna now begin uh, talking about a husband must step up to lead in his marriage. We're gonna talk about that today because I think it's so essential, so important. You know, um, <laughs> marriage is under attack, as you know, as our listeners know as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the leaders of the household are the men, and uh, the men have been under attack quite a bit 
uh, quite, quite a lot in our society. So uh, we're going to look at what is required of us men, husbands, in a good marriage. So we know that the Bible, in the from the Bible, that the Lord has assigned leadership of the household to the man. And with that leadership that he's assigned to the man, he holds the man accountable for much that happens in the marriage. Uh, like we, if you've seen Spider-Man, if you've read Spider-Man, you know the quote that's very popular out there, with great power comes great responsibility. Well, that is a, it's a true fact of life. It's not just uh, something that's biblical, but it's a true fact of life and it applies to the marriage, to the leadership in marriage. But in today's Western world, however, the domestic order has been challenged by societal and satanic agendas. So you people know this. I mean, you, you, we know what the leftist agendas have been permeating uh, everything that we hear and see on TV, on the radio, everywhere, in our newspapers. So we're having to wrestle with ideologies and agendas such as differentiating gender equality from gender roles. So for the Christians, it's become a little bit confusing for some of them who are not biblically grounded. So they've fallen prey to this equality narrative and they've lost sight of gender roles and predispositions. Uh, radical feminism is rampant. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I hope I'm not teaching you this right now. Radical feminism is rampant. It is everywhere. And, and it is doing a lot of damage to many, many marriages. Also, another thing, the feminization of boys, the feminization of boys, trying to teach boys to be more like girls, you know, to, to be less masculine or have less boyish traits, being loud, being sporty, being physical, being being boys. And the emasculation of men, the emasculation of men, it's everywhere. I mean, it is everywhere. They are attempting to brainwash men into becoming more like women. And the opposite is also true, teaching women to become more like men. And also the attempts to redefine marriage by the extreme left. And we know all the, the LGBTQ, 2WXYZ agenda on all of that. I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but we know what's going on. Liz, is there anyone, anything you want to add at this point with the, this list? Anything that's popping off your, maybe the top of your head and thinking, oh, I forgot this or that? or No, well, I think, you know, especially in our public schools, this yeah. is um, huge right now. The, you know, the demonic realm has really uh, tried to assault, um, you know, through uh, gender identity, um, the yeah. You know, they're trying everything to brainwash our children to think that they're not women, to think that they're not men, to really dismantle those roles and to he, she, it kind of weird. Uh, we are all of the above. It, and it's literally a satanic attack. It really is. It's, and, it's absolutely And horrendous. people think, you know, they're brainwashed into thinking that, oh, they're really coming into their own, like we're really embracing who they really are. Uh, but honestly, most children need you to teach them who they are. Absolutely. Um, and then, the, you know, they're going to grow as as God leads them. But there's a foundation. And that's why it's so important for the husband to lead and yeah. for him to be that uh, powerful role model. For men to be men. Because yeah. boys need to know what, what does that look like? Yeah. How do, you know, my parents interact when there's... Um, 
you know, uh, trials, when there's things that happen, like how does my dad react to these things? Does my mom defer to my dad? And when she does, why does she? Like, it's good that for kids to see that the mom also trusts her husband's judgment and yes. leadership. I mean, all these dynamics have been have been severely mangled yeah. in today's and world. And who you are as a, you know, this whole female empowerment thing, um, you know, to some degree, I can understand why it got so out of hand because there was a lot of squashing women in in, in their roles. In previous and, generations. And not was, yeah. giving them enough, um, you know, liberty to do certain things. But at the same time, now it's gone to the complete opposite where we have a lot of women doing... Um, doing the squashing doing, now. <laughs> doing a lot of things. And it's, it's even become very... Um, um, heavy on a lot of their shoulders and even some women will will turn around and say well why why do i even have you in my life i don't need you i can I do everything yeah i can do everything you can do right i can make the income i can do this i can do that and so you know the roles are completely discombobulated oh, like and word, yeah. and then what happens is is the marriage the marriage crumbles and then they go off and try to get a new partner and, and then the, the same, same cycle goes on and on, on and on and um, when it comes to, you know, the identity, it's so important for a, a, a girl to understand her identity. We've gone so far now from wanting to be like men that most women don't even know how to be a woman. Uh, a woman. And what does, you know, what, what are we supposed, how are we supposed to conduct ourselves? How do we respect ourselves? And therefore men don't even take us seriously. And a lot of women don't get respected by men and get abused and all kinds of stuff happens, yeah. right? And it's funny because my grandmother, who was a smart woman, she once told my mom this, and I thought it was so spot on. She said, you know what? Woman's, li woman's lib, woman's liberation movement. She says, by wanting to liberate herself, the woman has liberated men. Mm. Now that's, that's, a, that's a loaded quote from my grandmother of all people, uh, which I, I really appreciate. Okay, so, so as a result of all of this societal conditioning, uh, did I cut you? Did you want to finish or I'm sorry? No, it's okay. Go. Not, okay, because I, I think I cut you with that quote. Anyway, so as a result of all this societal uh, and satanic agenda, societal conditioning, many churchgoers have slowly let their guard down and now are agreeing with the reigning narrative. They might not agree full-heartedly, but these things, these thoughts, it's, these, it's these philosophies, root. they creep out yeah. unawares. And then it takes root. It takes root. And they don't see it after generation, after generation. And then next thing they know, they're like, well, why are all these people gay in this church? Like, why are all my <laughs> these teenagers gay? What is what? going on? Yeah. Why are, you know, the women, um, a lot of girls can't uh, have no confidence. And there's a whole, you know, lack of confidence issue. We've got bullies. We've got all kinds, all of, kinds problems of problems because nobody understands their role. Exactly. Nobody's walking in confidence in their role either. You have bullies because these kids are not confident in who they are. You don't bully if you're confident in who you are. You People know exactly who are confident are not doing. bullies. Yeah. You know exactly who you are. You know exactly you have this peace about yourself. You have this confidence and you have nothing to prove if you're confident. So you don't need to bully anybody, right? Yeah. And then you have those that are being bullied that have zero confidence to stand up to themselves because, you know, their parents have a hard time teaching them confidence because they don't even know who they are and in their roles. And everything is completely out of whack, basically. Out of, out of whack. And speaking of bullying, these philosophies can bully their way 
into churches. And that's what they've been doing. And you know what? This left most pastors and Bible teachers today afraid of tackling teachings about biblical gender roles. Yeah. And I've seen that in the last few couple of decades, to be honest. I've seen many, many pastors who avoid it. They never talk about it. They shy away from it. Or they tackle it. If they do tackle it, they put these long white gloves yeah. and tweezers to tackle the subject so gently that it doesn't, the message doesn't come across. It doesn't, it's not transformative. It doesn't, it doesn't do the work that it's supposed no. to do. And, and because they're afraid of offending someone in their congregation, and let's be honest, these pastors, they're afraid of offending, especially women in the congregation. And I've seen some of these women that, that verbally attack pastors after the pastor gave a, a, a message on biblical gender roles or marriage. I've seen this happen. Yeah. So these preachers are like, you know what? This is a loaded uh, gun. I don't want to touch it. I don't, I don't want to talk. I don't want to. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping this away. I'm not going to talk about this anymore because it makes the woman go. They basically manifest. I mean, let's, let's be, yeah. <laughs> let's be honest here. And this has empowered and enabled the spirit of Jezebel to infiltrate. Of course, we're talking about churches, but it, it, the spirit of Jezebel has also infiltrated many marriages today uh, and, and churches and, and pulpits and countries and territories. Let's not kid ourselves. North America is plagued with the spirit of Jezebel. And if you guys don't know what that is, we've done a powerful teaching on the spirit of Jezebel. It was a two-part series, a three-hour total, an incredible teaching. I went where no man has gone before. I, I think so, because I've listened to a lot of these teachings on Jezebel, and I've touched on things that they don't dare to touch on. So if you want to go and check it out, go on our YouTube channel, Thriving on Purpose on YouTube, and look for Unmasking the Spirit of Jezebel, parts one and two. Okay, now that's it. I, I did my little promo there for the Jezebel thing. Anything you want to add at this point, Liz? Yeah, so I've seen, especially in the last two years, uh, a full-blown assault on marriages, especially um, in the Baptist realm. I have a lot of friends there. Um, there's been a lot of, of Christian marriages that have taken a fall yeah. um, for a lot of reasons. But, you know, you, ha you have to understand that um, you know, you do have an enemy. There is an enemy and the devil wants to split up marriages because he knows that the the threefold cord, you know, you, your husband and uh, God is the strongest cord. Right. So if he can try to break that up, then he can attack your children. Then he can, you yes. know, basically ruin all your lives. It's open separately, season. Right? If he can break up your marriage, it's open season on your family. Yeah. Okay. And so it's really important to understand our roles and to understand how we're to put God at the center of all of this, because in the church, there's been, um, there's been like disembalancement, unbalancement. Uh, it's like unbalanced where yeah. you have some men that are basically using overriding their leadership and squashing the, the, the female suffocating. The, so they're the suffocating the woman in her role. She can't, really take up a role because he's doing it for both of them he's too controlling. and he's too controlling and he's using the bible and hitting her with scripture on the head and it's just completely out of whack okay so you've got these controlling the extremes yeah. leadership type men that are just squashing the whole family because this is the way it is and god says this and god said that but they're using a lot of scripture out 
of context. And don't you dare and, contradict me. And on the they're leader. basically, yeah. um, you know, using control, which is a form of witchcraft. Yes. And trying yes. to control their families. And, and basically that creates rebellion. And a lot of the kids end up All leaving the house problems. and a lot of, you know, backlash, a lot of bad things happen with that. And then you have the opposite where it's like, there were the man has no backbone Jezebel has taken the woman took the over everything the wife took over Jezebel everything. has taken the root in the church like we were saying the mindsets have changed the roles have changed and now the woman's like well i don't really need you you don't bring me this you don't bring me that so and so got divorced she survived you know she just changed church and it's all good for her she's super happy now with her new husband so therefore i'm going to do the same i'm going to get rid of you and i'm going to start over right. my new life and i'm going to do this i'm going to do that and so we have this, you know, um, female over empowerment and, and men that are discouraged and don't even want to lead anymore or gave up leading because they're like, well, she's going to do what she wants to do anyway. She doesn't want to do counseling. She doesn't want to, you know, get yeah. any advice. She doesn't want to put God at the center of this. She's just done with me. And like we explained, you know, a lot of that sometimes is also, we said that in our last uh, series that sometimes it's because there's a lack of communication, resentment, bitterness takes root. And then, you know, she's done with him and he had no clue. She drops so him like a bad habit. There's all yeah. kinds of factors, right? But anyway, so as we're saying, we have to be wise and we have to be, uh, we have to acknowledge that we're all, we all need to be on guard. We're, not, we're, we're, we're involved in a war. Yeah, I mean, if you want to stand up for biblical marriage today, you're, you're basically yeah. in a war. So, mm -hmm. Now, but let's stick to our, uh, go back to our subject because we kind of went on a rabbit trail here. Today's subject is the leadership of the man. Mm -hmm. How can men become better leaders in their marriage, better leaders in their family? So first we're going to look at why did God assign man or the husband as the head of the house? Because maybe it's something you've been wondering, like, well, why the man? I mean, women can make great decisions. Women can be very smart. There's some women. I've seen some marriages where the woman is much smarter than the man. So why shouldn't she lead? Okay, let's look at it biblically. Three reasons. Three reasons that I've listed. Number one, the man was created first. God is a God of order. Uh, he created the man first, and he gave, uh, he gave dominion to the man first. The man was there first. So God is a God of order. That's something that's uh, seems maybe sim simplistic, but God has been, we've seen patterns. He created Adam, Adam failed, then he brought Christ. So, so Christ came in uh, later and fixed all things. Uh, but, and God, sometimes when the first doesn't work, he brings back the, uh, another one. For example, Esau and Esau, Esau was the firstborn, but Jacob got the, the birthright. Why? Because Esau was a failure. He, he wasn't following God. So, all kinds of stuff like that, but the point is, God usually, as a as a um, as a commandment, as a uh, as a way of being, um, accords and uh, not accords, but um, accordé, uh, gives gives precedence to the firstborn. If you've noticed in the Old Testament, so the first things first. When when the the, the first ones are given. Um, like a certain a blessing, cer a certain, a certain blessing in the Bible. There's the yeah. firstborn blessing. Adam was the first, so he's the the leader of the. So God is a God of order, and that's a pattern that we can see God do a lot in His creation. So that's number one. Number two, very simply, woman was taken from man. She was taken from his rib, and not man from woman. And that also might seem simplistic, but again, God, if he if he uh, if Adam was the original and he took Eve from Adam. 
so he, he made Adam Batman and he made Eve, Eve Robin. Let's just put it that way. If that, if that makes any sense to you guys. Okay. So, so she was taken from Adam's side and he is, was given leadership. Simple like that. But number three, now here we're going to go in deeper and you're going to find this very interesting because it's super, super um, overlooked by many, many Bible teachers. Number three, why was a man given the leadership in the marriage? It was a consequence of the fall. And now you might be going like, say what? I kind of know the consequences of the fall. I mean, I don't see where man was given leadership over the woman and the consequences of the fall. No, you probably have not seen it. And I'm going to show it to you today. And you're going to be like, why, thank you. I learned something today, which, I, which is, I hope you're going to learn more than one thing, but it's a good thing. So in Genesis 3.16, Remember, they had fallen in Genesis 3, so he's given the consequences to the man, to the woman, and the serpent. But in Genesis 3.16, he's given the consequences of the fall to the woman. It says this, unto the woman, I'm reading from the King James Version, by the way. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children. We're all familiar with that part. And... Thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Okay. Now, I'm going to put you, the way I used to read that verse, I used to read it every single time or just about, if I go back maybe a, maybe over a decade now, but before I understood this principle I'm going to teach, I used to be like, Oh, wow, that's kind of sad for the woman. She's going to have a desire for her husband, like a romantic, like, I love you. And he's going to crush her. I kind of saw it like that. And I was like, oh, that's that's kind of sucky. And, and you know what? I think a lot of us see it like that. She's going to have desire for her husband, but he's going to rule over her and keep her down. Now, most modern English versions say it this way. So not that I give you the KJV. Now, if you go to more modern versions, they wrote it this way. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. But you know what? This is a mistranslation. Yes, I'm daring to say it's a mistranslation. Even all of you King James only version people out there, it is a mistranslation of the Hebrew word teshuka, teshuka. This word was wrongly translated in some popular versions as your desire. So teshuka was like translated as your desire shall be for your husband. So in essence, the Hebrew word teshuka means a desire, yes, but to usurp or control. It is a desire to usurp or to control. It's not a romantic or emotional desire, which is what I grew up thinking. Check this out. There's other versions who got it right. I'm going to share with you these other versions. First, the New Living Translation says it's this way. Then to the woman, he, uh, then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Whoa. Now, like... To some of us who are not used to that particular version, that might come as a shock when you read it. And the English Standard Version, which is a very good, almost middle middle of the road translation, not too uh, 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 modern and not too word for word, but kind of like a middle ground. The ESV put it this way: "Your desire shall be contrary 
to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Whoa. I mean, don't you find, Liz, that this puts the whole verse or the whole situation as consequences of the fall like in a whole different light than what yeah. we've grown up reading? So basically, here's the point. After the fall, the marital relationships were damaged. They were damaged. So we went from harmoniously being co-regents of creation, Adam and Eve being co-regents of creation, co reigning co-jointly, to a more disharmonious, disharmonious co-regency. So they're still ruling, both of them, but it's disharmonious. So the woman wants to take control, but the man rules over her because he's got greater physical strength and, 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 and some different predispositions. So there's this... It's, we could say the battle of the sexes kind of begun after the fall. It, it, it messed up the relationship. So the domestic order was harmed because the woman, why, why was it harmed? Because the woman listened to another voice rather than the, the voice of God and the voice of her husband. And that other voice was the voice of we know who, the serpent, the nakash, the devil. So because she listened to that, it brought a... a, 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 a a third party, an unwanted third party in the marriage, yeah. and it messed up everything. But that said, everything said, and I, and I, this, this I think is very breakthrough-ish, right? I take when you understand that. But the original marital order can be restored. It can be restored for those who are in Christ. So if you're born again, sanctified in Jesus Christ, right, a kingdom citizen, and if you walk in truth. So you need these two. To have a marital order that is restored more to its original glory, more to the way it was supposed to be originally. Yeah. So it's called that's called basically sanctification. But so for those who are in Christ and who walk in truth, you can walk in. I wouldn't say maybe well marital bliss might be a, a little bit of a stretch, but you can have a really happy marriage despite the fact that we live in a fallen world and all of this. So Second Corinthians five seventeen says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. So when Jesus Christ came, he came to restore all things, including domestic order. For those who are willing to yield to his word and to be led by the spirit of God. Anything you want to add to all that big chunk? Isn't that interesting? Because I saw you were nodding. You're like, no. how do you feel about all this stuff? Well, I, I think it's true. I think, you know, there it, there is a struggle in marriage. There is a struggle, yeah. Sometimes to uh, maybe take control of certain areas where we may feel that our husbands don't have um, a good handle on a, a situation. A good handle on a situation. Um, I think it's really important to know the roles, especially when it comes to child rearing. Um, there's different areas, you know, that we've learned over time that um, that's was her no domain. Point, that's my domain. Yeah, there was no point yeah. in him interfering too much in this area. Like we all we always talk about everything, especially pertaining to our kids. But there's a lot of things that all inform him that I'm going to do about children. And he's like, yeah, OK, that makes sense. And yeah. he doesn't like meddle as much, you know, because it's he'd rather focus on other things when it comes to the children and other areas. So we've we've learned to respect each other um, in the different strengths that we can bring to our children, and um, and I think that's important in every area of our marriage. So it's really like a, a good balance to try to say, I will not control the situation, even if I feel that 
maybe he doesn't have it a hundred percent. It's not like, Oh, and trust me. I oftentimes I don't have it a hundred percent. No matter what you may hear in today's broadcast, I fail often, but she's gracious and I'm gracious with her when she does fail or, or, yeah, or fail so, to live up to whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, all of it is communication, but it's really important to not give in to uh, the temptation to override your husband or to control the situation all the time to really have it more as a, you know, we're talking about this, let's both decide what we're going to do about this. And I, th I think that avoids a lot of that. And I think it can be hard for today's women who many of them are highly educated. They, they're very smart, capable women. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes, you know, I've seen marriages where the woman is more educated than the man. So that can be really hard for the woman to be like, you know what? Yeah, I'm more quote unquote educated. I have maybe a higher degree or whatnot, but I must defer to my husband. I must I, I must let him lead. So that can be challenging for some women, of course. And, and sometimes you get married and you're on equal footing education wise. And then one of them decides to go back to school. Sometimes that's the woman. And then she, she goes and gets a doctorate or whatnot. And it can be challenging in today's world. I'm not saying women shouldn't be educated. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it can be challenging for a woman of high intellect, high degree of capacity to defer to her husband in, in matters of you know, leadership and, and letting him be the leader uh, in some things, not in all things, like she said, and when it comes to uh, certain aspects of child rearing, so, uh, uh, like we know our roles. I mean, after 20 years, I know what she's better at. I know what I'm better at. She knows what I'm better at. She knows what she's better at. And we kind of stick to our, our own pots and pans. And well, actually, I don't, the pots and pans are hers. So yeah, the and, hammer and screwdriver is more mine. I think it's especially difficult if, if uh, you're a woman and you have a tendency to want to control a lot uh, of the situations, you've always kind of had a, a good head on your shoulders for, uh, you know, or organizing things and being disciplined in certain areas. I've noticed that a lot of these women struggle more with letting their husband take the lead yeah. because they're used to the child rearing and doing this and doing that. And so, then so um, if there's different areas, for example, in finances, and he's more of a spender, they tend to want to take the reins in that area, or they tend to nitpick on all kinds of stupid little things that don't really matter. Mm. And I've had a lot of discussions with women um, like and that men. Uh, and men. And, and, you know, they always say, yeah, but, you know, what do you do about this? What do you do about that? And that's where you have to draw the line and say, well, is this really important? Like, because if you're going to control everything, you're not letting him lead, first of all. And second of all, it's just going to create a, a bad atmosphere, a bad relationship where um, he feels like he has to ask you permission for everything. It does That's going against the roles that God wants us to apply. So it's yeah. really um, a partnership, but he ultimately takes the, the final decision. And, you know, when it comes to those little petty things in the house, like there's a lot of things that, you know, let's be honest, we could just like close our eyes on them. They're not really that important. And, you know, like they say, like, You've got to win some and lose some. You have yeah. to decide what's important and what's not important because, you know, there's a lot of compromise that needs to take place in a marriage for it to work. And let's be honest. I mean, there's some men out there who who, who are maybe a little bit more shy, a little bit less assertive, and, and some women who have a strong character. And, and they're going to be like, yeah, but, yeah, but. I want to lead, yeah, but. Uh, in other words, they're kind of not seeing it. So... For these wives, I, I advise you, and I'm not going to go on uh, much uh, because this is an off-the-cuff kind of thing here, try as much as possible to empower and encourage your husband to lead. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I know this might be challenging because a lot of women are insecure. They're like, well, if I let him lead, we're going to crash. <laughs> but you know what? It's the biblical way and you can pray for that. Like if you see you're yeah. insecure, like, Lord, I want to get rid of that fear. I want to trust you that you have empowered this man to lead and that yeah. he can lead. Exactly. So it's a question of tr do you trust in the Lord? Right. Or in your own capacity to take over and be better than your husband at leading. So you got to question your motives here and, and put them at the foot of the cross and be like, what am I doing? Am I acting out of fear or faith? And a lot of times you'll find that you're not acting when we're unbiblical, we're not acting out of faith. So it's important for these women out there who have maybe a, a husband a little bit more shy, a little bit less uh, certain and less uh, um, self-assured, I should say. Uh, that you still encourage, empower, uh, and 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 give him the reins and tell him, I trust you. I love you. I trust you. I know you can, you're can. you going to make the right decision uh, for us. And that, you know what? You tell that to your man, you're going to see like, it's like, it's magical. Hmm. You tell a man he can lead. You tell a man you want him to lead. Guess what? He's going to want to step up to the plate. He's going to be encouraged. He's going to be like, well, this woman, trust me. She loves me. She she She's this super smart beautiful woman and she's telling me that she trusts my judgment that she wants to follow me you're going to see a huge change in your marriage okay but that i was going off the cuff but i think it was necessary to emphasize that and to, to talk about it so yeah. i mentioned earlier that christ, christ came to restore things and, and and that includes the domestic order and now i'd like to share a very special passage of a passage i really like that is not often not that often talked about when it comes to marriage uh, it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 7 through 9, and then 11 through 12. A man should not wear anything on his head. Now, remember that the context is talking about the head coverings. Uh, and I'm not going to go into head coverings today. Don't worry about it. Uh, so a man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping, for a man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory. Remember, man was created first, right? And woman reflects man's glory. Why? Because she was taken from man. So she reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for woman. And that's also very important. But woman was made for man because the man was alone. The man was lonely. And God said, I will, I will make a helpmeet for him. But among the Lord's people, that's verse 11, but among the Lord's people, women, now, now Paul is saying specifically here, among those who are born again of the spirit, okay, women are not independent of men and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man after that was born from a woman. And Paul ties the loop beautifully by saying, and everything comes from God. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a beautiful passage. I love that verse 12. So I love that verse. For although the first woman came from man, every other man after that was born from woman, and everything comes from God. So this is the Bible's equivalence or equivalent of, I don't know if you guys seen The Lion King, the, the animated version that I preferred. Uh, it's called the great circle of life in the Lion King. And I want to share with you a little clip that I find illustrates this beautifully. And it's from the Lion King. And I know, I, and by the way, I'm usually anti-Disney, uh, but there's still some 
stuff in there that you can uh, look at and be like, that was nice. That was good. And that's what we're going to look at today, because I think that verse is absolutely beautiful. It was one of the rare Disney movies that empowered uh, strong male leadership. So, yeah. you know, there was some good in that movie. But let's just watch that, this clip because I, I want to I'm getting somewhere with that. Simba. But I thought a king can do whatever he wants. Oh, there's more to being king than getting your way all the time. There's more? <laughs> Simba. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. As king, you need to understand that balance and respect all the creatures, from the crawling ant to the leaping antelope. But Dad, don't we eat the antelope? Yes, Simba, but let me explain. When we die, our bodies become the grass, and the antelope eat the grass. And so, we are all connected in the great circle of life. So Liz had to get up because we do have children. So she had to get up and go check something on, uh, on the kids. But uh, I really enjoy this, uh, the lesson in this passage. Indeed, when Mufasa says there's more to being king than getting your way all the time, this is for men. I mean, this is for men. We are the kings of our house, right? God has assigned us the position of king and the wife is queen. But there's more to being king than getting your way all the time. And we're going to look at this more because there's a lot of Christian men out there who fail to understand what this actually means. So we're going to look at this today. And I'm going to start with a story I want to share with you. There, was, there once was a man and wife who went for pastoral counseling. Their marriage was on the verge of crumbling and everything was going bad. And the man had bones to pick with the wife. The wife had bones to pick with the husband and they were always at each other's throat. And they came in the pastor's office and the man slams his fist on the table and he says, this woman is awful. She does not submit. She's all wrong for me and blah, 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 blah. And he goes off on a tangent of like really blowing up against his wife. And he says, and the, the, the pastor hearing the man says, okay, I hear you. Calm down. Now, can you show me this in the Bible that the woman needs to submit? Oh, and the man's like, oh, can I ever? He opens his Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24. And he, and he opens his Bible in front of the pastor and he points the finger and says, read it and weep. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And then the pastor cuts him off. Say, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. And he's like, why, why wait? I want to show you. He says, wait. He says, can I ask you a question? The man says, yeah. Are you in the habit of opening other people's mail? Guy like looks at the pastor, it's like, what are you talking about? Just answer the question. Are you in the habit of opening other people's mail? He says, No, I, I don't do that. That's a federal offense. Okay, well, it's also an offense when the Lord speaks. Now read the passage again. The man says, Sure. Wives, stop. The pastor says, Read that again. Then the man began understanding and he kind of looked sheepishly a little bit. Uh Wives, he says, exactly. That is addressed to wives. Paul wrote this under the influence of the Holy Ghost to wives. Now, what I want to know is what's addressed to you. 
and that is lower, and it's in verse 25. So he says, I want you to read the whole thing. So the man goes like, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, he wasn't reading it in, as enthusiastically as I'm reading it now, okay? But he was reading it nonetheless. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands, notice how much longer the admonitions to husband is than to wife. <laughs> so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, Paul says. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love, in other words, love his wife that way, so love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Wow. So needless to say, that counseling session uh, really took a different turn than, for, than, than what the husband had initially wanted to bring up. So basically what the pastor did in that, uh, in that story is he basically brought back each to their respective role and calling by God. He says, husbands do this, wives do this. And you know what? Try that for a week. Come back and see me. And you know what? It sounds simplistic enough, but in the beginning of our marriage, that's kind of what we did because Elizabeth was a little bit concerned. She had been to Bible school and she had seen, seen some boys uh, her age back then and in her their early 20s who were a little bit like peacocks and 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 they 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 uh, they had they had that verse in mind and they they were thinking that they had a certain picture of how they were going to lead their marriage. Let's just put it that way. And Elizabeth was a little bit concerned. And she asked me, we were, we were in our, uh, we were just in dating. I don't think we were married yet. She said, how do you see that passage? How do you interpret it? And I told her that story. I said, exactly that. And I said, so I think, Liz, I said, if you take heart, take to heart what the Lord says to you to do, and I do the same, I think we're going to have a great marriage. And you know what? I was right. It wasn't perfect. We had a lot of trials and difficulties and all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and it's part of all marriages, most marriages anyway. But I think for the most part, when we get back to the basics, which is that, I think we're gonna, you can, you're going to navigate your marriage so much better. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add at this point, sweetie? Yeah, I think it's really important, you know, even like when we, you know, we, we teach this to our kids as well. You know, sometimes my kids one of them does a certain thing and they the other one will point out, yeah, but you know, he's not doing this and she's not doing that. And God says this and God says that. I think it's really important to really focus on our relationship with God. And, and when God sees our conduct, yeah. is he pleased with our conduct, Amen. our conduct to have that mindset? Yes. Then you, you, I'm not submitting necessarily to my husband, but to the Lord. You will act differently yeah. because you know that God is watching you and that it matters how you react to a certain situation. And, you know, sometimes in the heat of the moment, it's difficult to do, but it can be hard. it's important to, to kind of think about that. The words that I say, the actions that I take, God sees 
Um, if you, you know, mess up to ask God for forgiveness, to go ask the other person for forgiveness, that's super important. Um, so there's a lot of, um, a lot of importance in really not pointing the finger so much. Like there's a way to talk about certain things that bother you, but not um, using the Bible to kind of say, you don't do this. And the Bible says this, and, you know, not to be so conf confronting because that can um, put said back a lot of men. And there's a way sometimes you need yeah. to bring up scripture to exhort one another. And there's a way to do it. You don't, bash them on the head with the scriptures there's a way it has to, to do be it. done in love yeah. done in love and grace and you know what uh i like this great quote here by commentator matthew henry who lived in the was it 17 or 1800s i think 1800s he was around spurgeon's time he said this in his bible commentary he said the woman was made of a rib out of the side of adam not made out of his head to rule over him nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal with him, under his arm to be protected, and near his heart to be beloved. I mean, I think Matthew Henry was a romantic at heart. I mean, that, yeah, you read that this, and, nice. and that is a great summation of, what a great observation by the commentator. It's absolutely epic. Uh, also, when, when we're talking about the leadership of men in the household, in the marriage, you have to put your put in your mind, man, that it's all about sacrifice. If there's anything I've learned about leadership, and I wrote a book about leadership, but if there's anything I've learned, it begins and usually ends with sacrifice. If you can grasp, if you could wrap your mind around that concept, you're going to start walking in good, godly leadership. The example of Jesus is, is our example. I mean, Jesus Christ was all about sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And Jesus taught all of his disciples that in order to lead properly, you must dedicate yourself to being a servant. When he washed the disciples' feet, he showed them that. When he would, I read in the Gospels, he would go to a place and he would start healing people. It says he healed them all. Talk about service. That must have taken, like, in, depending where he was and, and how much, the, how big the crowd was, that must have taken hours. That must have been very long. But he was serving. Jesus Christ served. He came to serve. And if the master came to serve, trust me, we ain't above him. And we got we to gotta, uh, do the same thing. We got to follow his example. So men are called to lead the marriage and the household. But how is that done? Well, I'm going to give you a few principles that you need to embrace and be like, okay, yeah, I got this. So the head of the house, what a wonderful title to have as a husband. It's an honor to be called the head of the house. But here's what you must do as the head of the house. You must lead, yes. And, you know, leading includes giving direction, teaching, and reassuring. And that's something I had a hard time. The beginning of my marriage was reassuring. Oh, my goodness, was I bad at that. I was an insecure man, uh, especially in the beginning of our marriage. And, and sometimes Liz was insecure and she'd come to me and she'd be like, I'm really worried about this. I'm really worried about that. What do you think? So what she was doing is, uh, hey, could you reassure me here? I'm feeling insecure. You know what I would do? I'd be like, oh, my goodness, you're right. Oh, man, this is really not going well. What are we going to do? And she'd be like, I, 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 she was she was speechless. She wanted to be reassured. And I was 
completely messing it up. It doesn't mean to lie to her, but it means to reassure her, saying, hey, we're going to pray. Hey, we're going to, great idea. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Giving direction and also teaching. And there's there's something I've seen also in, in Christian marriages that can be daunting, is if the woman is more spends more time in the word than her husband. And sometimes in some marriages, a lot, it's significant. You know, the husband, in order to be an adequate spiritual leader, needs to spend a lot of time in the word because how else are you going to give good godly direction to your family if you don't spend time in the word and your wife is always in the word that's going to make a big uh, imbalance in your marriage and it's not it's just not good so you want to be the spiritual leader as well anything you want to add to that yeah true okay good number two is provide provide so we know that the husband is called to provide now of course the overall provider of any household is god the husband and the wife both depend on god for their daily bread for their provision but it is a specific role of the husband to be a an assigned provider to his household and i know in, in today's day and age we we have women making a lot more than their husbands and 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 that this can can really sometimes mess up the gender roles and and the, the identity of the man and woman and it can be hard to 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 deal with and i'm not saying women should make less than men i'm just saying in certain households it's it, it can be hard and challenging to uh to understand that or to uh, to do it but basically here's what i'm going to say if a woman if a woman is married to a man who is doing his best and then some at providing that should be a a, a good standard Okay, Mm -hmm. I mean, not all men are capable of making two hundred and fifty thousand a year. I mean, some men are are, have either limited uh, intellectual capacity, limited understanding of certain things, limited education. uh, But they're nonetheless coming to the plate and doing it with all their heart and might. That should be something that is worthy of respect. And first Timothy five, eight says this. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So now, of course, if you're a man and you're slack and you're la- you're not doing it, you're, you're not doing your best, you're not doing everything you can to provide for your household, you need to take a really good look in the mirror and ask the Lord, first of all, to forgive you. You need to repent and you need to get back on the saddle and be like, I'm going to do my best at providing for my household. Okay, so providing is also something that men need to do. The third one is protect a man in the marriage and in the family as the head of the household, as the leader is called to protect his family. So what does that mean? Well, it means you need, of course, you have the greater physical strength in most cases anyway. (laughs) So you have the greater physical strength. You need to protect them from any physical harm. Now, I don't, I'm not saying you should have a bunker with 55 guns and machetes, but uh, you should be at least capable and willing to defend your family from any physical harm and prepared as well. So uh, I, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to go in and, and, you know, you should own a gun and this and that. And I personally feel that you should own a gun if you can. Uh, but the point is you need to be ready to stand, to be the in-between, to be ready to stand between any harm that comes towards your family and your family themselves. You're the the person who's going to be in between, uh, be in the way if anything wants to harm them. So physical harm, of course. But here's the thing. In today's world, there's mental harm, which comes through education of your kids, which comes through the media all the time. There's a lot of mental harm. 
Emotional harm. As the protective leader of your family, you should shield your children and your wife from any emotional harm. If you are a verbal abuser, there's not just physical abuser. If you are a verbal abuser, if you speak things that harm your wife or harm your children emotionally, bringing them down or saying bad things or things that are kind of snarky, you need to repent of that as well. And of course, spiritual harm. There's spiritual warfare going on for the well-being of your marriage, your children, and all of that. So you need also to stand in the gap spiritually to protect your family from demonic attacks, witchcraft attacks, as much as possible. Identify, be willing, be able to discern these things and stand in the gap and do spiritual warfare. Because that's another reality that you have to deal with as a protector. Anything you want to add at this point, Liz? No, it's true. All Keep good. On going, yeah. All good. So I mentioned serving. So you need to have the heart of a king, but also the heart of a servant. And that balance is not always easy to achieve. But God has given you the heart of a king. Now you need to be willing to have the heart of a servant. That mm -hmm. comes out of willingness. So you need to be like, I need to be the servant of my family. You need to be an initiator, someone who initiates. What are we talking about? Well, leaders initiate. What do they initiate? They initiate direction. They initiate plans. They initiate vision for the household and the marriage and the well-being of their families. But they also initiate reconciliation. Reconciliation. And that can be hard. <laughs> I remember, in the especially in the beginning of our marriage, Liz and I would get into major fights sometimes. And sometimes I was not to blame. I mean, sometimes I was, sometimes I wasn't. And sometimes when I was not to blame, the Lord really spoke to my heart quite a few times. We wouldn't be speaking to one another and I was holding a grudge. <laughs> and he said, man, go to your wife and fix this. I don't want to fix this. She needs to fix this. Man. Go to your wife. You're the leader. Lead, initiate, and reconcile. Oh, man, that was hard. Christ initiated. He came down from heaven and went to the cross while we were yet still sinners. He initiated. God initiated the reconciliation. And so must we as men and leaders of the household initiate reconciliation. Can it be hard sometimes? Yeah, you can bet it can be hard sometimes. You're going to have to do it anyway. So be an initiator. Yeah, and uh, that's really important. And, and that's a two-way street. Um, two-way street. Um, you know, oftentimes, especially in the beginning of a, of a marriage, there's a lot of fear in a lot of areas, especially if you're, um, you know, don't have a lot of finances and stuff. And that was our case in the beginning. Um, we, we were lacking finances. Uh, we didn't have our families that much on board, um, with us being together, one being from non-state family and another Christian family. And there was all kinds of things there. And, um, so there's, there. there was also a lot of fear. So when fear takes root and there's no faith and there's not enough leadership, um, you know, backing up, saying God is going to take care of us and, and standing on God's word, then a lot of fear creeps in and then a lot of fights. And then that's when you need to, uh, you know, work things out to keep the peace. And, and that's why it's so important to 
uh, come and reconcile to not let your anger um, get the best of you and not a fight and like to make make amends before you go to bed so that bitterness doesn't take root as we talked about in the the previous uh, episode. But um, you talked about ser- uh, about serving. serving. I think that yeah. is a huge component. It's huge. Because serving as a man, see, in a lot of Christian circles, they'll say, well, I'm the leader. So they have this um, idea that the woman is supposed to serve them and they are supposed to lead. And therefore, there is no service. But they forget how uh, Jesus was the perfect servant leader and um, was humble enough oftentimes to say, Hey, I'm serving you and I'm giving to you and everything leadership, uh, servant leadership was uh, a huge part of leadership, which means sometimes you eat last, which means sometimes there's things that you'll sacrifice so that others can have more of. There's a lot of sacrifice in serving. Yeah. So, it's really important to understand that part because a lot of men think that I'm being a leader if I get them to serve me. Or they think and, they or they they stop their leadership as oh I, well I'm working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Yeah. I, I I'm doing I've my part. I've done my part. I've done my part. And when they get home, it's like serve me now. Yeah. That's just wrong. Okay. So you need to be in like I said, God has given you the heart of a king. That's a given. But you have to make the decision to demonstrate the heart of a servant. Yeah. And the, and what he said is really big because, you know, a lot of men go, well, she was taking care of the kids and doing stuff in the house, which is way easier in their minds than me working 70 hours doing this or what outside. And then it's only when they actually are forced because of COVID to stay inside that they realize how much she's been working inside, how yeah, how it's not been easy yeah. that they realize, you know, she has been working a lot and it's a full time job to take care of kids, especially sure if you're homeschooling yeah. or you're taking care of the house and all that. And everybody, everybody's needs are met. So it's really important to understand that, you know, there has to be servant leadership, even if you have been working a certain amount of hours. I'm not saying you have to do everything for your wife and your kids. I'm just saying that, you know, when it's it's important to act out of love and to understand that she has been working as well. And it's not like, well, I'm home. So, you know, massage my feet and give me food and do everything for me. And I'm just going to sit here and watch TV and do absolutely nothing. It, it's not, that's it's, not going to make it's a good not marriage. Like, it's, not like, it's not like that. That's not going to fly off, obviously. No. So it's, it's really a marriage is not, it's not 50, 50, it's 100, 100. You give your yeah, 100%. And it's really a st- the wife gives her 100%. It's going to work. And it's really talking about, you know, she's serving you in many things that she does for you that you don't have to do, but that you may take for granted because, you know, women are supposed to do that. And so it's really understanding, you know, the the where where is their needs? Where, where does she need help? And where do you need help? And to balance those out because you could both be serving each other in different areas to mm. make the whole thing work. Exactly. And and it, it's it's really, we're serving one another. Mm. We're serving. She, I wash her feet, her, her feet. She washes my feet. I mean, that, that that's how a marriage needs to work. Uh, another thing that the, the leader needs to do, the head of the house, he must honor his wife. Honor your wives. Show me a man who is good at honoring 
and empowering his wife in the right things. You don't want to empower your wife in the wrong things. You want to empower her in the right things, but you want to honor her at all times. Show me a man who does that. And I will show you a, hip, a happy marriage 90% of the time. Because the, the husbands, if the husbands were to step up to the plate and do what they are required to do, it would fix so many marital problems. But they need to do it with assertiveness, love, and grace. So the, all these elements must be there. So all the elements we talked about, they have to be there. And you know what? And Liz, want, you wanted to add something, but just... I finished what you were going to no, say. No, go ahead. You go ahead, sweetie. I'll, I'll so I just wanted to say, you know, I talked about the woman staying at home, homeschooling, that type of, of relationship of marriage. But you also have women now that have to work uh, outside the home yeah. and they both they work 50 careers, 50, whatever. right? So they both do the full-time job or she works part-time and he works full-time, whatever. So, and then she has to come home and then get everything else working in the house. And oftentimes there's this, um, it, that's where it's really hard to take the roles because the woman's like, well, I work too. Well, you know, yeah, we, we both do the same thing. Yeah. And you're saying that your work is more important and, and because that, you work. And right? let me just interject here for, for a second. Just hold, hold your train yeah. of thought. That's the B system. Mm -hmm. That's contrived. The devil wanted that. So what the devil did is he, he brought in mega inflation because remember in the fifties, right? One salary, one ordinary salary was enough to provide for a nice little bungalow with a white picket fence, two kids, three kids, a dog, a cat, maybe a goldfish. These days are over. They've been over for decades now. That was all contrived. Why? Because it's part of a demonic and satanic plan to destroy the marriage. Because yeah. now today, it's very rare that a man's salary alone is more than enough. I'm yeah. not saying it doesn't happen. And what I mean by more than enough... <laughs> My definition of more than enough might not be yours, okay? I, I don't mean like just scraping the bottom and just making your payments like, ah, ah. no, no. More than enough, I mean, everybody, everything is covered. The kids have an education that's paid for. I'm paying uh, the house. I'm paying the food. If we have a car that breaks down, we're not. it's not a problem. We can pay for it. If we want to fund other ministries, we're able to do it. That's what I mean by more than enough, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying scraping the bottom. That is not what I'm talking about. And that's for another teaching when we're talking about uh, biblical prosperity. But the point is, in today's day and age, because of uh, the beast system that we uh, that we are, off, unfortunately, a part of operating in, we're not a part of it because we're out of the world. Jesus took us out of the world spiritually, but we're still operating in it. Mm -hmm. And we need to to be aware of that. It's It's rigged so that both need to work yeah. to afford a lifestyle that's decent. And therefore, it puts a lot of strain lot on of the strain. marriage. Yes. And then that's even harder because then the roles are like, well, she's a breadwinner, he's a breadwinner. Yeah. So how do we apply servant leadership when this happens, right? How do we both find a way to serve each other and see where we can pitch in to make this whole thing go well and so that the kids have everything they need, we have our needs met, and everybody's happy. So that's why I say there has to be a lot of communication and there cannot be this mentality of, you know, well, I did more hours. Did so more you do you. more yeah. and you do this and you do that. And, and I'm still the man of the house. Like we have to have this um, discussing Common accord of what to... needs to be done and both chip in in this case, because you're both, you know, maxed out with work. Absolutely. So we were talking about honor. 
It's how the man needs to honor his wife. And that's so important. You know, if you fail to honor your wife, it could lead to having your prayers hindered. Mm. And that's huge. <laughs> Just like Paul, Peter also admonished both wives and husbands. And that's found in, in 1 Peter chapter 3. But I want to talk about the part where Peter addresses the husbands. So to the husbands, Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 3, 7. He said, husbands, likewise, dwell with them, speaking of wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, talking about a physical vessel here, and as being heirs together. I always have a problem with that word. I always say the pronounce the H, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Whoa, that's a curveball. Now, I'm going to talk to the men because this whole broadcast was very much directed for the men. But let me ask you a question. Have your prayers been answered lately? Have they been answered lately? If yes, well, okay, move on. Wonderful. Keep it up. Wonderful. Here's another question. Does God seem unresponsive or maybe distant to you? You know what? Sometimes we, we look left and right and, and north and south. And we're trying to find why, why, why are my prayers answered. Sometimes it's something as simple, simplistic and basic that you're not honoring your wife. So think about that. Look at your heart. Like David, say to God, search me, O God. And find and show me if there's any iniquity, anything I'm doing wrong here in my marriage. If there is, show me that I may repent, that I may ask for forgiveness to you and to my wife and change. So that my prayers will not be hindered. Anything you want to add to that, Liz? No. I think that's huge. That's, yeah. It's, that, that is huge. It's very... Um straight out Ooh, there <laughs> wow that your prayer it's, I, man, it's not very long that your prayers may not be hindered man when i read that first time i was in my my 20s maybe before that and i was like well that's going to be important <laughs> i wasn't married then you know and i was studying my bible and i read that I was like, well that's going to be important yeah and i think you know uh, in this context i think it's really about uplifting uh uplifting her you know the yes. acknowledging the strengths that she has her, yes. encouraging her in the dreams that she has for the family yes. or for whatever it is that is dear to her heart um you know there's a lot of things that a lot of women will sacrifice because of the greater good of their family and there's a lot of dreams that go unmet there's a lot of things they wish they could do that they wish they had more time to do and so I think it's it's all about discussing these things and finding out what would make her bloom, what makes what makes her happy. Does she need more time doing a certain thing that, you know, she's done so much for the family? Is there a certain thing that I can um, encourage her in so yes. that she blooms and that, um, you know, she's able to reach her fullest potential? Maybe it's something she wants to do in the church. Maybe it's a, a, a certain thing she wants to do to help women. Um, you know, that that are need in the church or maybe it's just painting, you know, whatever it may be um, that the Lord may be nudging her to do. Maybe she's got a prophetic gifting for doing art, um, whatever that might be, you know, and honoring her in in the different areas that you see that are her strengths that she does well um, will will make her want to um, do more, do more. In That's a what way you told me in the beginning because, of our marriage. Right. You yeah. said you said. Um, 
how did you put it? I don't, man, that was clever, by the way. That, that really worked. She she basically said, you you do you do this for me. You do more for me because she was asking for help in the kitchen. I was very I was raised by a mother who did everything in the kitchen. I did I didn't. So when I got married, I was I was a slouch. Yeah, so I, I was a slouch explain. in the kitchen. So she told me she says, you know what? I need your help in this kitchen. And she was mad. She didn't say it that. Well, I nicely. worked. I worked but, too. But it, it came out. Yeah, like, I worked too. But she says, you know what? She basically says, test me in this. Test me in this. Do more in the kitchen and see if you're not going to reap a greater reward of what I'm going to give back to you. She basically told me that. I was shocked. I was like, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try that. Yeah. Cause we both worked 40 hours a week at oh, the time. Man. And, and there were things that just were like pet peeves for me in the yeah. kitchen. And I just wanted some help. And, and so we both, he understood that was for me, the most important thing as the, opposed to anything yeah. else he would do in the house. And so he started applying him more oh energy in that area instead of doing it, other it, things it was that weren't as important. And it made us have a better marriage because Absolutely. I was happier. And we we both learned how, you know, what what makes each other happy and what we need to focus on. And that, you know, goes back to also the the love languages and different things. <laughs> me, me, I told her, I said, well, when I do something nice, like taking out the trash, she says, that's your job. It's not something nice. I said, when I do something nice, <laughs> Like taking out the trash, just say, "Hey, thanks for taking out the trash. Yeah. I love you." I, I mean, yeah, so, I became trash man after that. But so, the, so it's <laughs> appreciating the things that he does. But here, me, it's me, it's words of affirmation. You yeah, guessed it, right. But here in the context, <laughs> it's really um, uplifting the person in their in their strengths because they are the weaker vessel. So when God does anoint them with strengths, it gives them giftings. It's important to acknowledge it. And the fruit of that will come back to you, basically. Exactly. So so men, honor your wives. You will be amazed at what you're going to reap. It's a wonderful seed to sow. It's a great seed to sow in your marriage. Sow the seed of honor in your marriage. You will reap a, a harvest of blessing and, and maybe even marital bliss. <laughs> And your prayers will not be hindered. So that's like you're 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 going to win all the way. Now, as we reach the end of this broadcast, okay, I want to talk again. This whole broadcast broadcast was aimed at the leadership of men. Men, it's time to step up. It's time to recommit. It's time to recommit. A lot of men out there are not that committed. Yeah, you might you might feel that you or you might have felt that you were committed. Maybe after listening to this broadcast, went like. Maybe I wasn't that committed. Well, guess what? If that's the case, if you're reaching the end of this broadcast and you're like, maybe it's time to recommit, it's time to recommit. That's the Holy Spirit telling you it's time to recommit. And you know what? You're going to reap a wonderful harvest in your marriage. And it could save your marriage, guys. This is important. So for a lot of men and husbands out there, it's time to recommit to the Lord with a stern resolve. Stern resolve. Okay? So recommit to the Lord first. Say, Lord, I have failed you. I have disobeyed you. You told me to do this as a husband. I haven't done it. I'm recommitting myself as a husband, but also to your wife and marriage. You can even go see your wife after you've done that, that recommitment with the Lord in, in, your, in the quiet place. You can go tell your wife, like, wife, I want to talk to you. Let's have a meeting. I want to tell you that I feel that in the last few months or weeks or years, I failed you as a husband. And the Lord has shown me that clearly. And I want to tell you that today, right here and now, I am recommitting myself to be the husband that you need. 
she's probably going to weep and cry and, and be like, oh, my God. Or she won't believe you and she'll want to see you do it. Oh, yeah. She, yeah she, maybe if it's, on been, the relationship. <laughs> if it's been really long, she might be, yeah. Ha, ha. Yeah. Okay. I'll believe it when I see it. Doesn't matter. Don't let that frustrate you. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. And prove it to her. Yeah. Now, men, guys, we have to step up to the plate in our call to lead our wives and our families. I mean, look at the world out there. They need our leadership. They need our leadership. We're growing a generation. Actually, it's now we're going on two generations now of kids grew up on TV watching uh, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond and stupidities like that that show men as, as stupid, like big dorks. useless dorks. Yeah. Homer Simpson and all these guys. Guys, prove them wrong. Be the difference maker. Be the leader of your families. Recommit. Embrace your leadership and lead your wives. Lead your families with wisdom, with love, and with grace. That's what I'm encouraging you to do today. And I hope that this broadcast has encouraged you to do that. And, and you know what? If you've been watching this broadcast and you're like, my goodness, my husband needs to see this. You can share it with your husband. Maybe your brother's going through a painful time in his marriage, right? Maybe you have a brother. He's going through a tough time. Share it with your brother. Maybe your parents are going through a really tough time. Share it with your parents. If they're Christians, of course, because we're, we're, it's biblically, biblically based, right? But the point is, share the, the broadcast with the people you know would need to hear this today, especially the men, especially the men. I'm done. Anything you want to add? Yeah. So, well, as we mentioned in the in the beginning of this um, of this uh, teaching, um, right now we're um, going to give. You know, most of them are free on YouTube, and eventually it'll become a course. So, um, if you're blessed by this content, eventually, if you want to give the course away to friends and family, um, it's going to be super super affordable. As you know, like we've got over three hundred broadcasts and podcasts that are free on youtube pretty amazing and uh, on thrivingonpurpose.com we have tons of stuff there at a very affordable price so um you know for us it's it's really not about uh it's really about blessing you yeah helping um, but, marriages but we uh, we appreciate it when you share our content because it does bless a lot of it people does and that's us, why yeah. we're doing this right that is but, why but it, it helps people but it also helps us too I mean, yeah. uh, we're, we're in ministry, we're in full-time ministry. So obviously, uh, sharing is caring. I mean, if you if you feel led by the Holy Ghost to give a donation, you can go to thrivingonpurpose.com. There's a donation button. If you want to check out the courses, 40% off, that's another thing you can do. So yeah. all this to say that, yes, we are in ministry, and uh, this helps us as well. So uh, we've uh, covered so much in today's episode, but next episode is going to be uh, about women. It's going to be, we're going to, Liz, you're going to be teaching a lot more next episode because we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be a helpmeet? Helpmate? Mm -hmm. Helpmeet? That's both. Helpmeet, yeah. Yeah. What does it mean? What does that imply? What's the man? What are the demands on the woman? We're going to look at that next broadcast of Lord Save My Marriage. All right. We'll see you next time. Be, be blessed. blessed and, and thrive on. And thrive on.